Right. I let you know we have a few different series going on amidst still trying to get through a couple books. And one is uh, Garden Our Hearts. It's one series we're working on. We started one. We had a message on a Sunday evening or Sunday morning regarding that. We'll do a few more on that. Uh, we have uh, another series where we're dealing with, uh, I'm not going to go through all the series. We've got a few of them going on. But we're also going through the Lord's Prayer, Our Father Who Art in Heaven. And I want to look at that prayer and one of the emphases I'm having that we're, as we're going through this prayer is seeing that as a prayer that also is relevant to the times in which we live, relevant to also the end times. This prayer takes on, I believe, a, uh, it's a special prayer, but it takes on a special uh, aspect regarding the times when they get darker, I believe, as well. Because there's a prayer, the prayer is for the, the Lord's kingdom to come, amen? His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven in the midst of all the chaos that is going down and going around. And I want to encourage you guys, as we look at this prayer, to just become more and more, the Bible commands us to be devoted to prayer. And a lot of times it's been said that your prayer life, your walk with God can be measured by your prayer life. How much time, how much earnestness you give in prayer. But I thought it's fascinating when you look at this, this prayer because when I became a new Christian, even though I knew this prayer before I was a Christian, before I committed my life to Christ, I grew up and heard this prayer. The Roman Catholic Church prayed this prayer. It was something that you're supposed to pray routinely on the rosary. I never prayed the rosary. And the prayer didn't have a lot of meaning to me because I didn't know the father of the prayer. I didn't know Jesus, you know. And when I became a Christian and I read the prayer anew, it became a treasure to me. And as a former Catholic who hadn't really been following even Roman Catholic teaching because I was a, a real heathen, a punk kid, you know, a stoner, as we called ourselves back in those days. And when I came to Christ and I came hard, this prayer became a treasure. So I realized, wow, Jesus is instructing me to how to pray the perfect prayer, perfectly in line with his will, to my Father in heaven because I'd become a Christian, of course. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we meet up with that prayer. And if you haven't memorized scripture, these are a few verses that you want to memorize. It's just because it's a prayer. It's the Lord, prayer the Lord gave his disciples. And he said, pray then in this way in verse 9. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And there's so much in every phrase in this prayer that's just pregnant with beauty and, and, and just things to discover. But we're taking it, you know, word by word. So you're going to be by the time we're done with this series, kind of an expert on this prayer in a sense, you know. Uh, and when we look at our Father, I want you to keep in mind, we are looking at this, at this in the context of end times, in the context of spiritual warfare, uh, things that we go through. And I did a message, was it, you know, real recently, on spiritual warfare and put it on the armor of God. You remember that? And the last thing we ended, I think that was last Wednesday, Right. And the thing we ended with on Paul's list, after he lists all this different type of armor, was to pray. Right after he mentions the helmet of salvation. He puts that right after he mentions doing everything you can do to stand, to stand firm and put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the wiles of the evil one. Amen. The methodius, the, the methods of the devil. And he gives these different pieces of armor because he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness in, these heavenly, in the heavenly places. There are 
spirit entities, demonic entities in the spiritual heavenly realms all around us. We see that in the book of Daniel. Remember Daniel gave himself to prayer and he prayed that the Lord would, that the 70 years to be in Babylon was over and he cried out to the Lord and it was an amazing prayer of repentance and you see in his prayers, eventually Gabriel comes, right? And Gabriel says that, hey, you know, uh, your prayer was heard, you know, 21 days ago I was withstanding. For 21 days it took him to get there because he was fighting against the prince of Persia, which is modern day Iran, a principality that's over that territory, probably to this day. And he received help from the archangel Michael and was relieved and able to go to Daniel which is kind of astonishing when you think of how our prayer life is affected and how it can also affect what's going on in the heavenly realm because God dispatches angels oftentimes when it comes to answering our prayers. And you also read about in Revelation chapter 12 how Michael and his angels throw down Satan and his angels to the earth and a third of them fall like stars from heaven and so forth. So there's this war in the heavenlies going on. There's a spiritual war. And our prayer life is very important because there's a lot that goes on in the spiritual world that we don't even see. And a lot of things that happen in our lives that are connected to what's going on in the spiritual world around us and the assault of the enemy against us. And there's a lot of needless assaults we endure because we're not praying. Or assaults that we endure that God could bear fruit through because of our response to him in prayer if we prayed and we'd still go through them possibly. So it's important that we are people of prayer. And in Ephesians 6, 17 and 18, when he talks about the last piece of armor, take the helmet of salvation and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Then in verse 18, he says, with all prayer and petition. And some list as one of the parts of the armor of the believer, all prayer. And they don't stop at the sword of the Spirit. And you know, it doesn't give a clear designation as to whether you can actually do that or not. But I like the idea of knowing that prayer is part of our warfare. If it's not part of the armor, it's definitely part of the warfare that we are in. And I do look at prayer as being a part of our armor. And I love it because guess what? When you're in war, you don't just put on the armor, you know. Uh, the best thing you can have is direct connection with the commander-in-chief. Amen and get his insight, and get his help, and get his direction in time of need. And he says, he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And I love that, and I, we ended with that last time, so I'm not going to get into any depth in this part, other than to say I just think it's interesting He's talking about praying for all the saints. And he's looking at the body collectively. And he's looking at the body as a grouping of corporate believers that are supposed to stand together in prayer. Because keep in mind, he already mentioned earlier to take up what? The shield of faith wherewith you may quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Amen? And the enemy fires, fiery, spiritually speaking, fiery darts into our brains wicked thoughts, th thoughts that are contrary to God's will, thoughts that are contrary to what's best for you and your family and the Lord, contrary to that which is best for you and your neighbor and your loved ones and even your enemies whom we're called to love, amen? And so we have to 
keep that shield of faith. But I was sharing with you last time that when you had the Roman legions marching, they literally would lock their shields together under a barrage of arrows. So they didn't go it alone, you know. Sometimes you would have to go it alone and you'd have to use your shield. You'd have to use your literal shield. But they would use shields that would save them from a barrage of arrows. And if they were linked together and they would link their shields with other soldiers, they were protected from those arrows. So I think it's very interesting the significance of a corporate of, of our corporate prayer life. And that's why I draw, the reason I draw your attention to this is usually I have probably 12, 15 books on the Lord's Prayer because I love to study the Lord's Prayer through the years. It's a, one of my favorite subjects. I love to pray it. And it's just so beautiful to me. But I don't know that any of those books emphasize the word our. Usually the first emphasis might be the Father, our Father. In fact, the first word in the Greek, when I've looked at it in the Greek, and the first word is Pater, the first word is Father, our. So in the Greek, you could probably start with Father, but I don't know that any of those books, I don't remember any of them actually taking up the word our. But that word transfixed me as a new believer. The significance of that word in that prayer was especially powerful to me because of where I was at as a new Christian. Because as a new Christian, I didn't know any other Christians. Nobody had led me to the Lord. Nobody shared the gospel with me. I was under the influence of the evil one. I was in the kingdom of darkness. I was doing my own thing, living for myself and opening myself up to the occult powers, to practicing occult techniques, which were in the guise of science. And before I knew it, and I'm not going to go through my whole testimony here, but I was under the occult power. And when it became clear, it wasn't the so-called power of my subconscious mind, but I was under, there, there was demonic influence which I had not believed in prior to I cried out to the Lord in the midst of one of my experiences and he stopped it immediately and it was the most weak pathetic prayer ever it was God only goodness you know I don't even know if I said God I just said only goodness but I was praying to whoever the creator was if he existed not even knowing if there was a God right and as soon as I just said only goodness you know and I was going to like say it again I don't know if I got it off twice or not boom it stopped and then a week or two later same thing happened and I cried out to God more directly and it stopped immediately again. And then I knew for sure there's a Satan and there's a God and I want to be with you, Lord. So I began to pray and cry out to him. And I, was, and I realized the power of prayer and that's probably why I emphasize it with regard to spiritual warfare a lot and the battle that we're in because that's how my Christian walk started. I was delivered by demonic powers through prayer. And the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? saved but you know that greek word means delivered you know and we're saved and we're delivered from the power of sin from the power of the evil one from hell amen from the wrath of god that we deserve through the grace of christ because we cry out to him and there's such a crying out to the lord is so awesome but you know what when i began i opened the bible i started to read the bible because i knew that i knew that i knew that i knew that this was the word of god you know how i knew that because when i was in the occult everything i was writing and channeling my demons was against this God, this God of this book. It was pro-reincarnation. It was pro all the isms out there or whatever, you know. But it was anti-Christ. And I realized those spirits, I was opening myself up to hate Christ. Hate God's word. Because one of my songs was called, Disappointment is Your Friend. And the whole concept was, you'll come to realize there's no biblical God, really. 
I was just a punk kid, 16 years old, 17 years old, you know, when I was writing these things. And disappointment with your friend was the idea that kind of a twist on the truth will set you free. You'll find out there's no God, but disappointment is your friend. You'll be set free. Your God is your myth. Your myth is your God. Just the same kind of stuff that got really popular not long after I got saved. Because after I got saved, the heavy metal era came. I got saved in 81. And uh, boom. And then all that kind of evil stuff became really popular. But I'll tell you what. Then I realized there is a God. Amen. And I'm a puny little guy in his sight. And I deserve to be just destroyed. But he mercifully saved me from the powers that I opened myself up to. And I cried out to him. And he saved me. And I, I went right to this book. And I'm telling you what, the words just jumped off the pages. Because all of a sudden they're talking about spiritual warfare. They're talking about prophecy in the scripture. And I just, I was like, wow, like no other book. And I began to see all the evidence. Because of course I was still looking what does it say in here? What's, what's, how, what's the credibility? And of course, I didn't just say, this is the word of God for sure. Absolutely, I know it. I did say that in sense. But I was like, you know what? I've got to check this out. And boom, it just, he proved himself a million times over to me ever since that time. But there was one thing about this prayer that stood out. There were several things that stood out. But one thing that stood out immediately to me was when I began to pray, our Father. And when I say the word our I would think, who else am I praying with, you know? Who's our? Who are these other Christians? Who is Jesus? Who are his followers today? And it was, gave me a sense of excitement because I thought, I'm going to one day know these other Christians. I'm going to one day be praying with other people that are saying with me, our Father, because they're out there. I know it. And here we are today, right? <laughs> All kinds of us, right? And we're just, we're just a fraction of the millions and millions of, of followers of the Lord, you know, uh, on the earth today. And the hundreds of millions that have gone before us. And we pray our Father. So I love that because he wanted us to understand that our relationship with him is not isolated. That we are part of a body of believers, amen? That we are part of a family and he is not just my father. He is our father. Amen. And I'm supposed to recognize you and you're to recognize me as members of the family of God. And that's something we should be able to rejoice in. And it's also the father that we ought to be praying to, not just individually, but corporately. Amen. So I just love that. And I tell you what, uh, this, this, this prayer, you know, and linking our shields together and praying the Lord together gives us such such an advantage in our walk with the Lord and our victory in spiritual warfare. I had read about a nun who was going into Israel, read it as a true story. And when she got there and was crossing the border, they asked her if she had any weapons on her. And she had her habit on the whole thing, you know. And she said, yes, I do. I have my prayer book, you know. And it's interesting because her prayer book, sadly, was probably filled with, you know, Hail Mary, full of grace, you know, things like that, which wouldn't be very, would actually do more harm than good, right? Because we're not called, to, called not to pray to Mary and so forth. But you know what? We as Christians, right, who know the Lord, have a relationship with God, who have our prayer book, which is God's word, amen? amen. We ha which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We are armed to the teeth to have victory for the Lord, Amen. 
in our spiritual war that we are actually in. So Leonard, Ra- Le- Leonard Ravenhill, uh, one of the, uh, probably one of the best teachers historically on just the importance of prayer. One of his favorite statements that I've ever read that he said on prayer, I love it. He said, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is plain. The people who are not praying are strain. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. I love that. Failing here, we fail everywhere. If you're not praying and crying out to the Lord, your life is going to be met with a lot of hardship and a lot of pain that's unnecessary and pain that you're not going to grow through if you're not using it to cry out to the Lord and build an intimate relationship with Him. So, our Father, it's very, very important that we recognize that He wants us to talk to Him. He wants us to cry out to Him. He longs to hear from us. I'm a father, and now I'm a grandfather five times over, and it breaks my heart. It would break my heart if my children didn't talk to me. It'd break my heart if my grandchildren would not talk to me, wouldn't come up to me, wouldn't request help or anything like that, you know? It'd break my heart because I know one of the reasons I exist is to be there for them and to love them. And it's, it's natural to, for a father to help his children, his gra- a grandfather to help his grandchildren. It's supernatural, but to a greater degree than it is natural for us with our physical children. For God, it's, 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 it's naturally supernatural, so to speak, for God to want to hear from us. He made us in his image. Remember, he said, you men, to his disciples, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. In other words, the relationship that he seeks with us is deeper than that with a a father or mother with their children or grandchildren. And that's really profound when you think of the beautiful relationships that we can have with one another. So he's waiting for you to cry out to him. And if you have some rigid thing in your mind about prayer that, you know, where it's drudgery and so forth, you really don't understand biblical prayer. To me, biblical prayer is radically exciting. When I'm seeing Daniel pray, you know, and he's seeking the Lord, and you're reading this about the book of Daniel, and they've been in exile for 70 years in Babylon, and he sees the prophecies, reading the book of Jeremiah, like, whoa, the time's up. He starts crying out to the Lord, and, and with him, an angel shows up, and he says, man, I've been in warfare for 21 days. Heard you, you were heard by God from the time you set out to pray, Daniel. And how many times did Daniel think, man, is God even hearing my prayer? But there were things that were going on. And you don't have to sit around saying, does God hear my prayer? You have to just ask the question, hey, am I praying according to God's will? And if I am, I know he hears me, amen? Amen. And just pray in accordance with his will. So it's important that we understand uh, that we have a community of believers, brothers and sisters, all around us, our Father, our Father. And you know, I knew my brothers and sisters were out there didn't know who they were, hadn't met them yet. I'd be blown away when I finally started meeting other Christians and start finding 
that the most beautiful relationships on earth are forged through the blood of Christ and through the unity of the koinonia, the fellowship that comes from the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter that we have individually as believers but also uses us corporately as we seek him. And it's funny because I got on my knees and I literally was crying out to the Lord to show me other believers. I knew that first, you know, you're looking, you're, I'm a new Christian, so I don't know much. I'm just reading the word and I'm like thinking, I'm looking, is there a specific church that's the true church, you know? And then I came to realize when I went through the book of Revelation, reading Revelation chapter two and three, I started seeing, wow, you've got the church at Ephesus and Smyrna and Philadelphia and Laodicea, you know, Sardis, you know, Thyatira, Pergamos, all these different, these seven churches. And they had different situations, different problems they were going through. Some were off in certain areas. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Because I started to understand that the church was a spiritual organism. It was made up of believers that were not perfect, but those who truly feared the Lord, those who were truly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, trusting that this is his word, uh, walking in accordance with his word, believing in the resurrected Christ, amen? Believing what the scriptures say, we're part of his church. And I ended up getting involved in a church for quite a while, the first church I went to, and I met other people. I was a young guy at the time. You know, I was just turned 18, you know, but I met people that were my age, some older, some younger, that loved Jesus, man. And I used to just go by myself because I didn't know any Christians at first, so I'd go up in the mountains, following Jesus' example. I love that because, hey, he'd go in the mountains, he'd go to the wilderness and pray. I'd, I'd run up in the mountains or I'd take an orange with me and go up in the mountains and just seek the Lord and pray. And I'd have a great time. But you know what? When I started going up there with other believers, it became so much more special. We're walking up in the mountains, you know, four or five of us, band of brothers, just seeking the Lord, singing, you know, you know, songs to the Lord, praise songs to the Lord God, you know, hallelujah, and just praising him, getting together in prayer, and man, sensing just the joy of the Lord and the love and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It was so amazing as a new believer. I thought, I I began to cherish those times of being together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, which is really a trip because our fellowship started in Lisa, my home. So we've been talking recently. It's been 30 years. This is our 30-year anniversary, right? This summer, right? And here we are meeting at my house, you know? It's a lot bigger than it was when we were in my house. We couldn't fit in. We had a 700-square-foot house up in the Knolls that we would not fit in today as a group. But it was a sweet fellowship. And the beauty is, guess what? By the grace of God, we haven't changed. We've just hold to his word as tenacious as ever. If anything, we've grown a lot, you know? And our knowledge and devotion to the Lord, but it's just neat to see God replicating what he's doing in believers and other believers as we sow the seed, amen? And he grows the, the body of Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. So it's interesting. You have a father and he loves you and he knows your name, but he's not just your father, he's our father. And he wants you to link arms with other believers. He wants us to be in fellowship. Hebrews ten twenty five. We've talked about this verse probably more than ever in the last few months because of uh, the threat of believers not being able to get together. We've emphasized, you know, that God forbids us to, to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Amen. Amen. You know, and somebody, somebody said, hey, when are you guys going back in the building? I'm like, I don't know if I want to. I mean, Wednesday's nights have never been so good, have they? You know, 
And if you can still say that without a barbecue before service, that's really good. You know, some of you might have your hands crossed. Well, it was good up until the night, man. Where's the barbecue, you know? But uh, we won't have that every Wednesday, but every, every few Wednesdays or so. But I tell you what, uh, it's just been sweet fellowship. And, you know, uh, we've talked about, and we're going to see this in the scripture again. It's, you know, sometimes people think, well, we're supposed to pray alone. You know, Jesus said when you pray, don't, be, don't pray to be seen of men and pray in your prayer closet. And Well, there's truth that we should pray alone. And we shouldn't pray with the motive of wanting people to see us, that's for sure. And we, it's good to have a prayer closet, so to speak. But you're, you're dismissing a whole lot of scripture if you believe you're not supposed to pray with others. If you're not supposed to pray corporately together. The Bible talks about, you know, if anyone's sick among you, go to the elders and have them pray for you and confess your sins and, and you'll be healed and, and pray for one another, it says, you know. Jesus said in Matthew 18, where two or three gather together in my name, there am I in the what? The midst of them. And he talks about if two of you as t- uh, pray together, as just two of you even, as touching any matter, right? Of course, in accordance with his will, uh, you'll have what you pray for. And when you go through the book of Acts, that's where that word our, with regard to our Father, really comes alive because you see the church gathered together over and over again in prayer. The Acts, the book of action, the Acts of the Apostles, after Jesus died for our sins, was buried, rose again, ascended to the Father. Amen. The apostles who were eyewitnesses and spread the gospel all over the place before they went and took off to share the gospel to the nations. Jesus told them to go tarry in Jerusalem. So when he ascended, they weren't just supposed to go split and go be witnesses. They were supposed to go have a prayer meeting on the day of Pentecost. And they got together and there they were at that prayer meeting and they prayed corporately, not just individually. And I encourage you to pray individually and corporately. And when you read the book of Acts, one thing that blows me away about the book of Acts is I love the word when you see in for instance, I think it's Matthew 28, if my memory serves me right, first few verses, where Jesus rose from the dead and, and there's just an excitement about his being risen and, and there's an amazement. But I love it when you read the book of Acts because you come up against that word amazed, people being amazed over a dozen times. And when you go and trace that word and how it's used, it's used over and over again in respect to the workings of God by the power of the Holy Spirit in the church, in his people, ministry to non-believers and I notice it's connected at times to prayer and as a result of praying you want your Christian walk to take off man you want to fly like an eagle he says you're supposed to wait upon the Lord and then he'll lift you up amen and we need to spend more time with the Lord in prayer individually and corporately when I counsel couples you know I encourage them. Even if I'm not counseling them, sometimes I'll say, hey, you guys are praying together, right? You know? I just said that to a couple just a few days ago, you know? Encourage them to pray together because to me, that's one of the most special things in my relationship with my wife is being able to pray with her. And if you're married, I want to encourage you to just take time with your spouse to make sure you're praying together. Talk to the Lord together. And you know what? If she doesn't want to or he doesn't want to, pray that they would want to. That's your next prayer, right? Lord, let them know the value of prayer, you know? 
or just say, hey, you know what? If, if you want to pray together, I, I love you. Mind if I say a prayer? Just be an example. And then, you know, typically, hopefully, they're not going to say, no, don't you dare pray. If they do, then pray under your breath, Lord God, you know, help my spouse, you know, because they need you, you know. But it's important to pray. My wife and I, pretty much every day, sometimes a few times a day, we'll pray together throughout the day. If we're, you know, sometimes we're so busy, we're like passing ships, you know, how it can go in life. But we uh, try not to be so busy where we're not praying with each other. And there's times where we're driving together so we can pray together. We always try to find time throughout the day. Try to f- we try to find time where we can spend time talking and going through what things we need to deal with, things happening in the church, things taking place in the family, different things we need to pray about. Uh, her mom, you know, we've been praying a lot lately together because her mom just had a, got breast cancer and she's had her surgery yesterday and, and praying for that situation and being a witness to her and Lisa's dad, you know. And there's just so many things to pray for. Kids going through things, grandkids, brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, all these prayer requests that are out there, people going through things, things that you're facing. We're a family, our Father, amen? And we pray for one another. And we don't just, it says pray for all the saints. You don't just, don't just pray for yourself. You need to grow and get beyond being self-focused in your walk with Jesus where your prayer is, Lord, help me with this and Lord, help me with that and Lord, help me with this and Lord, help me with that and Lord, help me with this and, and Lord, help. And you're, you're saying, Joe, okay, I got it, stop, right? Well, how does that sound to the Lord? Me, 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 me. And the Lord's like, hey, I created you. I want to meet your needs, but guess what? One of your greatest needs is to get your eyes off yourself and be a blessing to other people and pray for them and love them too, amen? Because if one of my grandkids comes up to me and they keep talking about what they want, they want, they want, they're not thinking of the other grandkids, you know, I'm going to like, uh, they're not really experiencing the life that God wants them to live too because he wants them to have relationship and be a blessing. And it's better to give, Jesus said, than to receive, amen? So let's pray for one another, amen? And I'm not saying not to pray for yourself. I mean, I pray quite often, Lord, give me strength. Empower me, use me to your glory, help me bear much fruit, you know. But I'm praying those prayers, even a lot of those prayers are prayers for others, you know. So we need to keep each other in mind when we're praying. And a lot of you are not just praying for yourselves, but we have to graduate beyond. If you're praying for yourself and that you're, you're growing in the Lord, that's not a bad prayer, that's good, keep that up. But go beyond that and pray for the growth of others around you and those you're trying to witness to and, and so forth. So uh, in Matthew chapter... Uh, well, in Luke chapter 14, that's where Jesus told them to, he says, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city, talking about Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. And so they weren't just supposed to go witnessing because they weren't going to be able to accomplish anything really without his power, amen? So he said they're supposed to stay in Jerusalem until God the Father sent the Holy Spirit and clothed them with dunamis, power from on high. In fact, Jesus is an example to us. Even though he's God in the flesh, he's, he said that we could do nothing of ourselves and that he said that he relied upon the Father and that the Bible says that he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10.38, listen to this verse. It's a really cool verse. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So now we are his body, amen? We are his hands and feet. And we're to bring the gospel throughout the world, amen? And the Holy Spirit wants to use us as the body of Christ. So we must rely. And Jesus was constantly 
lifting his eyes to heaven, praying to the Father, right, to make decisions. Before he chose the 12 apostles, he went up to a mountain and he prayed all night long. And in the morning he went and chose 12 apostles. If Jesus, the very Son of God, is praying about important decisions, how much more ought we to? And the Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Amen. Who will give liberally to all those who ask in faith without doubting. Now it's interesting, when you get to the book of Acts, and you get to chapter 1, it talks about, you know, they said, Jesus, are you, is it at this time, this is right before he ascended, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says, it's in the Father's hands regarding the epochs and the times. And he said, he told them again, you know, to stay in Jerusalem until they were endued with power of the Holy Spirit. And they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. And they tarried. And you know what they did there? You know what they did in Jerusalem? Before the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, they prayed corporately together. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 12. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, and this is before you see all the actions of the apostles and all these radical things God does through his apostles, through his disciples, through ordinary believers and the extraordinary things he does through them. You see a prayer meeting. You see they're seeking the Father in prayer, amen? So in Acts chapter 1 it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room and they were stay, where they were staying, that is Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and, the, uh, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, not Judas Iscariot, the apostate apostle, but Judas the son of James. Verse 14, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to what? These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And it's awesome. And what happened as they began crying out to the Lord? Remember what happened? Acts 2 talks about how the Holy Spirit had come upon them in power. And you had the baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit as they sought the Father. And Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit was in them. He said to his apostles, the Holy Spirit's with you, he says, but he will be what? He will be in you. Okay? And he'll give you power to be my witnesses. And Jesus talked about how you'll be witnesses. So you guys, if you want to be a witness, right? You want to shine bright for Jesus and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now as Christians, we already have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to him. If, you, if you're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and you confess Jesus Christ sincerely from your heart, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, nobody can confess Jesus Christ as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you confess him as your Lord, then you have the Holy Spirit. But guess what? As you pray and cry out to him, you see in the book of Acts and elsewhere in Scripture that he can empower you in such a way to use you in wonderful ways. And we see this because it's after they prayed and cried out to God and the day of Pentecost you know, takes place and they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in the paradigm that says, once you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit, which is true, that you have to wait around for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tarry. I don't believe that that's what the Scripture's teaching here because this was a one-time event in the church where Jesus said the Spirit is with you, the Holy Spirit's with you. Remember, I mentioned that earlier. Before he died, he said the Holy Spirit's with you, but he, he will be in you. And the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them in power. 
and that was, some call it the birthday of the church. I believe the church was already being formed by Jesus, the ecclesia. The word church means, from the, in the Greek is ecclesia. It means called out ones, amen? And Jesus was already calling out, building his church prior to the day of Pentecost. But I believe the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, was the birth of the day of the empowerment of the church. And the church was being empowered now for service. And the Holy Spirit was there in power. Now when anybody comes to Jesus and receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, amen, it's not like Jesus comes into their heart, but the Holy Spirit doesn't, you know? Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all what? One God, amen? amen? And when he comes to live in us, you know, Jesus said too in John 14 through 16 that I read that last time or a couple times ago where I'm not going to leave you as orphans, right? The Father and myself, he said, I'm going to make our homes in your heart. And he says, you are, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, amen? So when you receive the Lord, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when you're saved, you already have the Holy Spirit. But praying allows the Holy Spirit to have more of you. Do you understand that? If you are a Christian, you're trusting Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit. The presence of God lives in you. So when we pray, we don't pray to get the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we allow the Holy Spirit to get more of us because we surrender ourselves more, amen? When we're praying, we're saying, your will be done, amen? We're saying, Father, use me to your glory. Father, fill me, you know? Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, one of my favorite prayers, that we might better understand the church at Ephesus, and by the way, ex way of extension, us as well, might understand the height, depth, width, and length of God's love to us, for us in Christ Jesus, amen? He wants us to understand how much he loves us how much he is a father that we can trust, how much he's a father that we can know, what he's done for us in Jesus, how good he is. And he says that you might strengthen them in the inner man, amen, that we'd be filled with the fullness of God. So we want to pray to love him more, to know him more, to understand who he is more, and to know him is to love him, amen. But we also want to pray, Lord, empower me in my inner man so I can live a godly life and I can overcome evil, amen. How many of you can say, amen, I need strength in my inner person? Is, is, that, is that just me, by the way? Am I the only guy here that, you know, I need inner strength to overcome temptation and things of this world? Because I, I openly confess that if Jesus Christ, but that if I live my life apart from Jesus Christ and I do my own thing and I don't regard the scriptures, that I don't regard the word of God, I don't rely on God's power, I will fall flat on my face every day. Okay? That's me without Jesus. A mess. But I can openly confess through relying on the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and praying that he strengthens my inner man, amen, and live in accordance with his word. And going forward in him, we, by his grace, are able to overcome sin and a life of rebellion to him and live for his glory and bear fruit for him, amen? But it doesn't just happen. You have to pray, amen? The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then the next verse says, because it's him that works in you, right, to do his, to will and to do his good purpose, Amen? So God's at work, but we also have to work out our salvation that's in us. So, and I love it because the Holy Spirit wants to use us in ways that are going to blow people away. In, in, uh, in the end times, one of my favorite passages is Mark 13, remember, where Jesus says, they're going to arrest you, they're going to put you to death, they're going to kill you, you're going to do all, all these horrible things, the brothers are going to betray brother. But he says, and then when they bring you before kings, and that's where you're going to be most intimidated, he said, don't be intimidated. So don't premeditate what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words, he'll give you utterance, he'll give you things to say and, put, and use you at that time, Amen. So you can know that, and that's not just, I try to tell people, and it was kind of new to me, actually. It was a new discovery I made in Scripture because when I would read, you know, Mark 13, and I read that passage and a couple parallel texts like that, they're, they're typically, 
you know, put in the end times scenario. But then I thought, wait a minute. This is also in Matthew chapter 10, a similar statement that Jesus made. And Matthew 10 is not dealing with the end times. It's just dealing with being a witness. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Because he doesn't just give us the testimony of Jesus, which is spirit of prophecy in the end times before kings. He's talking about when you're being persecuted in general, that the Holy Spirit can give you utterance. Amen? Amen. God wants to use you. Okay? And he wants us to be people that are used by the Lord to his glory. And I'm telling you right now, you have to be so wise right now. I'm going to challenge you guys, man. You have to be especially discerning at this time in church history. Hairy things are going on in the world and scary things are going on in the church. Really crazy, crazy things are going on right now. And there's a lot of people projecting themselves as apostles and prophets that are garnering a lot of following because of alleged signs and wonders that they're doing. But they're leading so many of their people away from the scripture, away from the Lord Jesus. So you have to be discerning. You cannot just, and I love to emphasize prayer and and encourage you to be in prayer, but you always want to test everything by the word of God, amen? You don't want somebody who bases your life on experience. Our foundation is the word of God, amen? Amen. The Bible says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Christ Jesus, the head cornerstone, amen? Amen. The scriptures tell us to test everything, hold fast to the word of God. The Bible says to lie to the testimony if they don't speak according to your word, it's because there's no light in them, amen? But you've got to be Bereans, Acts 17, 11, where it says they tested what Paul was saying by reading, studying the Old Testament. It says the scriptures, which was what we call the Old Testament today, to see if what he was saying was true. So we need to be in the scripture. But I emphasize a biblical Christianity, which is based on using your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Sometimes people will just emphasize experience and others will just emphasize the word and not talk about how we are going to experience the Lord through prayer and through crying out to him, how the Holy Spirit lives in us and the Holy Spirit wants to use us. But we've always emphasized both, you know? And God wants us to love him with our whole heart. Amen? All of who we are. Amen? Soul, mind you love him with your mind too amen you don't check your mind at the door and just believe everything and anything somebody says somebody comes i have a word of god for you somebody tells me that i'm like i have my antennae up and i have my right foot ready to give them the right boot of fellowship disfellowship you know well not that harsh but you know i if somebody you know we don't allow false prophecies And there's all kinds of that stuff going on today, leading all kinds of people astray and giving the Lord a black eye because it goes out in the name of Christ. It's imperative that we understand the times in which we live. My daughter Holly asked me, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday. uh, She said, Dad, can you consider doing a message on the end times where it's just one message when it's just one message and all the things that are going on that we should be looking for? In, in that one that I could like hand out to people kind of thing, you know? And uh, I thought that's kind of funny because I've been working on a message because a lot of things are going on, right? All these peace plans with Israel, you know, and all uh, diseases, you know, COVID and, and uh, 
government wanting, you know, or I should say government exercising more and more power over people where people are nervous, you know, ethnic group against ethnic group. There's all these crazy things going on. And uh, we've talked about some of those in some of the messages that I've given. So I'll be doing, I will. I thought, you know what? It's funny because I've been working on something that she didn't even know I was working on. I didn't say much about it because I just listened to her. I said, yeah, I could definitely do that. I thought I might surprise her on Sunday. I thought, that's funny she said that. So I'm working on something. I don't know if it'll be this Sunday or not, but just one really strong, solid message that we should be. But I'll tell you what, some of the things going on that people aren't recognizing is there is such a demonic movement afoot right now, okay, within the church to get the church to abdicate the responsibility or the authority that belongs to Jesus Christ and him and his word over us. We follow Jesus Christ as our authority, amen? If somebody tells you to drink Kool-Aid that's poisoned, that's what Jim Jones did in Guyana, and he told them what it was and to commit suicide. Anybody here that would do that, there's something really messed up. If you'd follow a man, if, if a man told you to do one of these prophets, one of these leading prophets of this movement, who is, I think he just died recently too. He's one of the leaders of this, in the move, of this movement, one of the most hailed apostles or prophets of this movement and he'd take out a shepherd's staff and he'd have people walk under it and he's hailed by the greatest so-called apostles of the new apostolic reformation and he'd prophesy once a year as people walked under this staff and and he had girls come in that he'd prophesy over but you know what he got busted because some of these girls came forward and he would have them he'd say you have to take off your clothes so God can see you and I can see you so I can really prophesy over you in my office he did that to a number of gals, okay? And their story, I mean, you would not believe how horrendous a lot of this movement is, and they'd still hail these guys as prophets of God. If you could fall for something like that, if you could let a, allow a leader to just go off the rails, and you think he's still a, a man of God, then you are basing your own experiences, or your own opinions way above the Word of God. Amen? If I start telling you that Jesus isn't God, or I start telling you that, hey, not, we're not saved by grace, but we have to earn our salvation. Or Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. Or the Bible is not the word of God. Or, you know, the gospel means you have to also take over the earth for Christ. Or I start telling you all these weird things. I would hope you'd say, hey, Joe, I'm sorry, man. You've departed from the word of God and you need to repent and get right. Amen. And I can't be here if you're going to teach that stuff. Amen. Because it, the day you put, if you don't, I always tell you, test what I, I say, amen. And we're, when, I, when we get in the word, what do we do? We get in the word. What's God's word say, amen? That's what you have to be beholden to. No man, amen. No, no so-called prophet or apostle outside of scripture. The word of God. The Bible says, test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. We have to be jealous for the things of God, amen. We have to be jealous for his glory, we have to hate sin. We have to hate delusions. We have to hate lies. We have to hate evil and cling to what's good. Amen? And in our prayer life, as we seek our Father, we should treasure our relationship with Him. Amen? And praise Him that He's so good and give Him worship and exaltation. You know? And we need to relate to Him and we need to depend upon Him because they, they didn't just say, oh yeah, we're going to go be witnesses, man. We went, we saw Jesus shared, shared the good news and we're just going to go do it. No, they said, we have to go depend on our Father. We have, to go, uh, we have to go stay in the city like Jesus said and cry out to him until we're endued with power from on high. We have to tarry until the Holy Spirit comes in power. Well, now guess what? When you get saved, you already have the Holy Spirit, okay? And you're already able to share the gospel if you know it with people. But guess what? It's important to spend time in prayer, amen? 
So you could cry out to God and say, Lord, use me to your glory. Engineer divine appointments where you put people in my path. Amen? And, 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 and just create divine appointments, Lord. And, and use my mouth, you know? And I'll tell you what, you'll say things that you didn't plan on saying that will still be biblical. You got to make sure it's biblical. You know? Amen? That will, God will use you to speak to people in ways you don't even know. It happens to me almost every Sunday. And usually it's when I go off my notes. I can't believe you said that. Well, that's the Lord, you know. And uh, you need, you know, Lord speaking, you got to repent or whatever it is, you know. We have to depend on the Lord. I love Psalm 132 too. It says, as the eyes of a slave look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a slave look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he shows us mercy. So as a servant would look to his master and depend upon his master to, to meet his needs, how much more do we need to look to our Father, amen, and look to him for our mercy and depend upon him? Jesus said, if you want to be, if you, if, you know, he said, unless you become like a child, you won't, you, you know, you won't enter, unless you're converted and become like a child, you won't enter the kingdom of God. And a child is fully dependent upon a parent. And the child recognizes that they have no rights. I recognize, guess what? You be I belong to you, God. It's whatever you say. And then I recognize in doing that that I'm truly set free because I have a good father that loves me. Amen? Now it's interesting, in Acts chapter 1, we looked at that, but looks at Acts chapter, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter, uh, when we're looking at Acts chapter 1, which I know we looked at a few things since that time, but it says they were continually devoting themselves, right? to the Lord and then the power Lord came upon power then you go to Acts 2.42 the very next chapter they were continually devoting themselves to what? the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to what? prayer they, had, they were continually praying together then you go to Acts 3.1 what does it say? now Peter and John Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour the hour of what? prayer they are going not only to pray but also to be a witness. Then you go to Acts 4, the very next chapter. We're seeing prayer every chapter of the book of Acts in a row. One, two, three, and now four. And now, Lord, take note of their threats because guess what? This is the first time these apostles in the book of Acts really got persecuted and they were being threatened that they weren't allowed to share the gospel anymore. Okay? And I already let you know, if we're told we can't share the gospel by men, what do we do? Do we say, okay, we're not going to share the gospel anymore? No, we still share the gospel. And the book of Acts is written for us. To you need to read the book of Acts. The gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, amazing. But also read the book of Acts because you see what happened in the early church. And that way you're not shocked. When you see the persecutions that take place there, you say, yeah, that's part of it. By the way, did you notice their prayer meetings? They weren't having messages like, let's take over the seven mountains of influence. You don't see that anywhere. You see them spreading the good news of what Jesus Christ did and that was the great commission they were given. Not to take over the world for Christ. And I pointed out before, some of the people in the New Apostolic Reformation, they say, well, if we're all united under the apostles, the new apostles, right, with the new doctrines, which is way out there, if we're all united under these new apostles that we're picking or that have declared themselves apostles or self-appointed typically, and we're unified and there's miracles and stuff, then... We're going to be able to take over the governments of the world. And, and I point out, ooh, really? I've never seen the church so unified as the book of Acts in the early church, right? 
They're all praying together. They're one. And they're doing signs and wonders, miracles, right? And they're following the apostles' teaching, the real apostles, by the way. And are they taking over Jerusalem? No, they're, they're, they're persecuted and they're dispersed throughout the world. In fact, we read in Acts 2, 4, 29, Acts 4, 29. Look at what they're praying. They're praying, guys. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand, they're praying, extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was what? Shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Look at what they did. And they began to what? Speak the word of God with boldness. Remember Paul said, pray for me that I could speak the gospel with boldness. Now they're praying and guess what? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're able to speak the word of God with boldness. The whole place is shaken, you know. That's a powerful prayer, amen? And it wasn't the prayer, but it was the answer to that prayer. God was saying, hey, I hear you, you know? And these apostles, the Bible talks about how the apostles were gifted in a special way where Paul talked about how he had the miracles or the signs of an apostle. But to be an apostle, to be one of the 12 apostles, or Paul, who was the one who was born out of due time, you had to have seen the Lord. Paul saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. And they were doing these things, but God wasn't just using the apostles. He was using believers to spread the gospel. He's using them in powerful ways as well. But notice they spoke the word of God with boldness and the word of God spread. You guys, I'm trying to tell you, be involved in prayer. Do you guys want to see the word of God spread to people, to your loved ones, to your neighbors, to whoever? Then pray. Do you want to see God do more things for his glory, right? Pray. Say, Lord, and you know, you just pray, God, please shake the world for Jesus. Lord, shake my place of, un- place of employment, you know. Lord, shake my home. Lord, shake, shake our church. Lord, use us to your glory. Shake my friends. Shake my family members in such a way to where we fall on your knees and we look for you to be glorified in our lives and where your word of God, your word will spread. Amen? That's, that's, that's important, you guys. It's real important. Now, I'll tell you what. You see a, a cause and effect relationship here. They prayed, and what do you see? Place is shaken. They prayed, what do you see? The word of God spreads. What do you see? You see these things going on. They're able to speak with boldness. If you're not crying out to God, you can't expect to see the things that they saw in the way that they saw them. You have to, we need to be people of prayer. That's not the only time a building was shaken, by the way. Go to Acts chapter 16. Go to Acts chapter 16. And it's interesting because Paul and Silas were thrown into prison because of preaching the gospel. Now, guess what? If people started having to go to prison in our country, in mass, all over the place because of their belief in Jesus, because of their love for the Lord, because they preached the gospel, a lot of people in our country would really, really, really freak out. But the only reason you'd really, really, really freak out is because you were duped by the prosperity gospel, which teaches that God wants you rich and healthy and wealthy and all that stuff. And you're like, what's going on? But you wouldn't really, really, really freak out if you are reading God's word, amen? amen. And you realize that places like New Zealand and Austria and or Australia, I should say, and the United States are anomalies when it comes, as I mentioned before, to not being persecuted as Christians. Most places in the world, Christians are persecuted. So you should be thankful on one level. On the other hand, 
some places and other people that get persecuted pray that we would be persecuted too. Not because they're like, why do I have to get persecuted? I wish those Americans get persecuted. No, because they recognize that the church in America is so lackadaisical, so apathetic, so despondent, and needs to be shaken. But I prefer to judge myself so I won't be judged. Amen. I prefer to say, God, help me have a fire and a love for you so I don't need to be persecuted to pray and witness. Amen. Cry out to the Lord and say, use, Lord, use me to your glory. Now, they're in prison, and guess what? They're not all freaking out. They're not like, why am I here? I can't believe God let me go to prison. Where's my family? Where, you know, they're not like that. They're praising God. They're worshiping God because they know they're in his will. And I mentioned, I didn't read the text, but in Acts chapter 5, it says the apostles rejoiced when they were whipped because they, couldn't, because they preached in a certain city, and they were whipped, and it says... They said better, you know, better to obey God than men. It says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. Is, would, that, would that be your attitude if you got whipped and you ended up losing your home and you ended up in prison? Lord, may that be our attitudes to your glory. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, we read this. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. See what they're doing? They're singing praises to God, man. And the prisoners were listening to them and the prisoners were listening to them. And I have no doubt in my mind. I can't be absolutely sure. But it's very likely that Paul, I believe he would have, because I know we would have, was praying for these guys. You know, pray for those who persecute you, right? And the prisoners were listening to them and pray for others, right? And suddenly there came a great earthquake. These prisoners tripping out on these guys, right? These guys are singing praises to God. And all of a sudden there's this great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. There's that shaken going on again. And now it's praise and not prayer, but praise is a form of prayer. I look at praise personally as just prayer set to melody, you know? And that's one of the ways I like to pray is just sing my prayers to the Lord. I tend to do that when I'm driving, you know? I try not to do that in public too much because I don't want to, you know, I want to stay close to you guys too, you know? Uh, And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because that, at that time, if, they, if prisoners escaped on you, on your watchman, they'd just kill you. That was your penalty. That way they, didn't, they knew there wasn't any bribing going on and so forth. So he was going to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are here, all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, how does this guy even know about being saved? He I probably knows about it because the songs they were singing, amen? And their songs were probably rich in doctrine, not just I praise you, I praise you, I praise you, just empty, you know, love songs, but they were rich in about who the Lord was and the need to be saved. He's like, how must I be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household, Amen. And then Paul and Silas, they go on to explain to him and his household the word of God. They put their trust in Jesus. Then he baptizes them, which shows that the household were not infants because they were listening to the word of God too. Infants don't hear the word of God. So it's interesting. You guys, there was a shaking that was going on. There was a shaking that was going on. And we read, when you see that first shake in Acts 4, there was amazement as to what God was doing. Then go to Acts 12, because now they're having another prayer meeting at night, a nighttime prayer meeting. Because guess what? James, the Lord's apostle, 
disciple was killed. And when Herod sees that, wow, the Jews were really excited about that. Let's arrest Peter. They arrested Peter. Now he's in prison. We read in verse 1, Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. It's one of the apostles, right? When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer, but prayer. I love there's another but, right? But God kind of thing. But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. You guys, don't just pray a little glib prayer. Oh, Lord, you know, you know, I love you, Lord. You're good. Thank you for the food tonight. No, say, Lord, thank you so much for blessing me. Amen. Be, 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 have a little bit of passion in your prayers. Amen. And I'm, I don't, I have to admit, I'm not always having great passion in my prayers because sometimes I'm falling asleep, you know, you know, I'm, but I'm trying to pray, you know, so, uh, but there's a lot, but I, I try to, you know, in my heart, it's the more you love Jesus, the more you get to know him, the more you see who God is, the more passionate you just become. So stay in the word. And if you stay in the word, you'll have a sense of awe regarding who God is. Amen. Amen. I remember Dave Nelson, and some of you remember Dave Nelson before he had died, and I was one of my good friends, and uh, Dave and Steve Riley and myself, Steve goes here, and, and uh, Mike Johnson, he comes and visits us from Montana once in a while. Uh, we all hung out before we were all saved, and one by one, God got a hold of us, along with my brother hung out with us sometimes too, Tom, and, and uh, but Dave passed a few years back. But I remember Dave, you know, and uh, he came to the Lord and was following the Lord. He was excited. You know, I was, and, it was ex- and he was a guy. He came to me one night, one day, because I'd been praying for him to come to the Lord. And he came to me one day. He goes, Joe, I had a dream. It was crazy. It was so scary. I go, what was your dream? He goes, all of a sudden, uh, the work bell went off and, or the work buzzer. And I was late for work. I was like, I got to get back. Like, like it was at lunch or something. I just had to get back. And, and then I was just about back. And, and then, boom, it was too late. And then all of a sudden I saw Jesus coming back and I saw everything but his face. And it was like, and I woke up and I was like, I'm doomed. And I said, Dave, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like the parable of the 10 virgins, right? The 10 virgins, they all have oil and they all fall asleep and then five wake up and, you know, they don't have uh, all their, you know, all of their lamps aren't lit. And five don't have enough oil. Their oil ran out. The oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The other five light theirs, they're ready. And other, they say, give us some of your oil to the five that have it. And the five that have it say, no, if we, give, we can't give you any less. We don't have any for ourselves. And when they go out to the stores to go buy oil, boom, the voice of the bridegroom, the bridegroom cometh, he comes, and it's too late for them. And they come to the door, and the door is shut. And the Lord says to him, I never, I, I, he didn't say I never in that case. He says, I don't know you, you know, pretty heavy. And I gave, I let Dave know. I said, it's a warning that you need to get right with Jesus, you know. And God uses dreams, guys, when you're praying for your friends, you know. And boom, he has this radical dream. And he ended up coming to the Lord. But I remember he was reading the word of God. And he came to me another time. He's like, Joe, I'm reading the word of God. It's like, I'm reading through the Old Testament. And it really makes you fear God. And he's like, whoa. I go, amen. That's the effect it should have on you, Dave. You know, you read the word of God, Amen. And you grow in a fear for him. And, and I really looked at it as like when Dave had that dream, I pray for people to come to Jesus, my friends. 
And just interesting things happen. The more you pray for your family members, the more you pray for your friends. I pray that God would speak to them through dreams. I pray that God would speak to them through providence, through circumstances, that he'd wake them up. Because guess what? We have one life to live, amen? And they need to know Jesus before it's too late and they face God in judgment. Because we're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ in judgment. And when you die, you're not going to stand before Joseph Smith. You're not going to stand before Charles Taze Russell of the Watchtower. You're not going to stand before Buddha or Muhammad, man. You're going to stand before Jesus. You need to get right with Jesus and make sure you know him. You have a relationship with him. But it's interesting because they're praying here, crying out to God uh, for him. They're having a prayer meeting. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Verse 6. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison and behold an angel of the lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck peter's side and woke him up saying get up quickly and his chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him gird yourself and put on your sandals and he did so and he said to him wrap your cloak around you and follow me and he went out and continued to follow he did not know what was being done by the angel. Uh, the, by what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When, when they passed the first and the second guard, they came to an iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. Isn't that cool, man? I just hope there's videotape of some of this stuff, man. And they, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Verse 12, And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark. Then he says, where Many were gathered together and were what? Praying. I mean, before this happened, what was the church doing? They were praying for him, right? Then this happens, boom. Now he goes to where they're praying. This is classic. When he knocked the door uh, to, at the door of the gate, a, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate. She's just so excited. She wants to go say, guys, your prayer's answered. She's all excited. But she ran in, uh, and announced that Peter was uh, standing in front of the gate. They said to her, now keep in mind, James was just killed. Herod wants to have Peter killed too. He wants to get, fa you know, get the people to like what he's doing and putting down this cultic type religion. Verse 15, they said to her, you are out of your mind. Now, isn't that crazy? They're praying that Peter would be set free from prison, right? He gets set free from prison. Rhoda says, it worked. He's at the gate, you know. And she goes, you're out of your mind. It's like, do you even believe what you're praying, right? They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it is his angel, you know. Like, it must be his angel or someone look, you know. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were what? Amazed. Amen? Amen. When you pray and seek the Lord, sometimes you'll be absolutely amazed because the chains will fall off of people. Amen? People will be set free from prison. And it could be the prison and the chains of drug addiction, of sexual addiction, of addiction to self, you know ad agnosium, but motioning to them uh, with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place.
I just love it, man. And you can just look up that word amaze and you'll see like a couple times just in our study tonight, it's connected to prayer and just the working of the Lord. But I think we don't have as much amazement in our lives because sometimes to a degree it can be proportionate the lack thereof to the lack thereof of our prayer life or to the excitement in our lives if we're praying. I'm telling you right now, I want to challenge you. Pray that the Lord would give you divine appointments to be a witness to his glory and bring people into your path and also be willing to share with them and pray the Lord would give you the words. Because I can't tell you when I've told people, just pray, pray. I tell people individually sometimes, hey, pray for divine appointments. People come back to me, Joe, I was praying for divine appointments. Man, right after I started praying, boom, this person was put my path. Amazing. I hear that over and over again. You don't want to have a listless, lifeless Christian walk, man. But if you have a listless, lifeless prayer life, it's going to translate very often to a listless, lifeless Christian walk. We want to see God do more through us all, amen? amen? And you know what? He wants to use each and every one of us to bear fruit. And, and you know, it may not even be somebody you're talking to. You might just be praying for somebody half the world away, amen? And all of a sudden, wow, I've been praying for that person, and look what God did in their lives, amen? amen? And I'm not saying we should be praying so we'll be amazed. I'm saying we should be praying so we can cry out to God that his will would be done and that he would work more in our lives so we can glorify him and be amazed about how awesome he is and seeing his hand work. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? Lord is good. So I want to encourage you guys. Now this clock right here is stuck. I keep looking at it and it keeps saying 709. That's all it says. It's not even blinking this time. What time is it? Okay. So I don't know why it's stuck at 7.09, but uh, we're done. Went a little bit longer than normal. It was like a Sunday length of service, but the Lord is good. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's give glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah. And you know what? Let's do this. Could we all please stand?